Nehemiah 9.1. Now, in the 24th day of this month, Tishri, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider what they did that day so many years ago, that we might recognize our responsibilities in this same area. We pray that you'd give us humble hearts and wisdom to see not only uh, our sins, the sins of our church and the sins of our, our fathers. We ask, Lord, for revival, for yes. blessing, yes. for souls. We ask these things in our Savior's name, and it's for his sake we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. This evening we're going to deal with a word which is commonly emphasized in some denominations, but probably not mentioned nearly enough among fundamental Baptists. For some, it is an integral part of their salvation. But for those whose salvation is based on grace, this biblical precept is often ignored, even though it is crucial to good fellowship with the Savior. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Forty-four times the words confess confessed, and confession are found in the Bible. They come from two Hebrew words and two Greek words. Those ref two of those references are here in these three verses. I hope you notice that. The two Hebrew words are closely related. And part of the root means to throw open one's arms. Let's think about this. Picture a guilty man standing before his judge. And he opens his arms and exposes his heart to the judge. I confess. I am guilty. The Greek words are exomologia and homologia. Both of them contain the Greek word word. The idea in Greek is to speak out. And in one of them, homo, it is to say the same thing. In other words, you're guilty. I confess. I am guilty. It is to agree. Agreeing with God about sin is a part of repentance. Yes. A part of repentance. Sadly, there are people who are willing to confess their sins, but who do not repent. They do not renounce their sins, they just announce their sins. Some people are willing to confess their sins to a priest. But unlike these people here, 
They're not willing to confess their sins to the Lord with a, a repentant and broken heart. These 44 references speak about two different kinds of confessions. When they're rendered down to the very bones, they are admissions. They're acknowledgments. You might say that one is positive while the other is negative. You might argue they're both positive, but uh, one leaves a, a different kind of taste in the mouth. Let's start with the positive. A couple of weeks ago, we began to study our church statement of faith. In that statement of faith are most of the major doctrines, all of the major doctrines which are foundational to our church. There are many churches that don't have a statement of faith. They have a confession of faith. It means exactly the same thing. Confession of faith. A confession, as I've said, is an acknowledgement. This meaning is clearly seen in Matthew 10. The Lord Jesus said in verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before man, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And in the next verse there in Matthew 10, we see a contrast. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. The opposite of a confession is a denial. Okay? Based on Jesus' words, have you acknowledged Christ to be your Lord and Savior? He that uh, refuses to acknowledge me, I will not acknowledge before the Lord, my Father. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. The end result of a person's denial of Christ is Christ's denial of him, and that means like a fire for eternity. So it's important. Jesus repeated this idea on several occasions in little different ways. One example is Luke 12, 8. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man confess before the angels of God. This isn't a confession of sin. This is a confession or acknowledgement of Christ as Lord and Savior. Austin grazed this just slightly on Sunday when he referred to Romans chapter 10. I'm sure you're familiar with the passage. Verse number 9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, excuse me, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, this is not a confession of sin. This is an acknowledgement of Christ as Lord and Savior. It comes from the heart. It comes from faith. To confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a person's Lord and Savior. This kind of confession is evidence. 
or at the very least a testimony of a person's salvation. I confess Jesus Christ is my redeemer. Not only must we confess that Jesus is the son of God, we must confess that we believe and we trust We know, we confess, that Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross of Calvary. Philippians takes the same word in a slightly different direction, but it is still an acknowledgement of sorts. The Son of God became a man. He became incarnate. And he became obedient unto death. Philippians chapter 2. Even the death of the cross... Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every, uh, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every single human being, atheist, Hindu, Muslim, It doesn't matter. Everyone will one day confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Everyone will confess and acknowledge that he is judge of heaven and earth and every individual man. One day the unbeliever will acknowledge that he blew it when he refused to acknowledge Christ as his Savior. Submit himself to the Lord in repentance and faith. There is the acknowledgement which is the confession which is simply an acknowledgement of a truth. But this is not how Nehemiah was using this word here in the ninth chapter. The repenting people of Israel were confessing or acknowledging their sins to God. It was still an acknowledgement, but it wasn't a positive declaration of faith or something like that. It was just the opposite. I am a wretched sinner before God. It's negative. It was a negative declaration that they and their fathers had sinned against the Lord. And it didn't stop with a weak, oh, I did it and I got caught. This confession was a part of wholehearted repentance before the omniscient and holy God. In the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them, sackcloths. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord one fourth part of the day and the fourth, another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Keep in mind, this is the 24th day of the first month of the year. And it began on the first day of the first month of the year. For over three weeks now, these people had been listening to the word of God. I don't know that it was every day. But it was throughout that period, and it was at least eight days, and now ninth day, and probably more than that. These people had been listening to the law of the Lord being read. And they were listening with not only their ears, but their hearts. And they were responding to it. 
This was genuine repentance. And these people were digging deep into their hearts and souls. They were digging deep into the history of Israel. Can we even imagine what it was to confess sins for three or four hours straight? Think how deep this must have been for these people. Here are grounds for unprecedented revival. When God's people deal with sin as seriously as these folk were, then the blessing of God is guaranteed. And that's what some of these other scriptures remind us. Before we get to that, what a contrast to the confession of Achan. Remember the sinner of Jericho? Was his confession real? I, I don't honestly know. We read, Joshua said unto Achan, My son, I pray thee, give glory to God, the glory, give glory to the God of Israel, and make confession unto him. Tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from Joshua knew that Achan was the problem that uh, Israel was experiencing at the moment, but he didn't know the details. And Achan answered Joshua and said, I indeed have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus and thus have I done. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment that he stole, the wedge of gold, and then took his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had and brought them under the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. I may be wrong, but Achan might just be the, an illustration of the man who uh, put his hand in the cookie jar, grabbed all those cookies, and now that he's got a fist, he can't get his hand back out. He was caught red-handed, so to speak, with... Uh, Babylonian garments, wedge of gold, and so on. What do you think about that confession? Confess that you have sinned. And he said, I confess I have sinned. Was it real? I don't know. I'd like to believe that he was fully repentant. But he may be a picture of mere empty words. God's commands about confession are not about words. They're about the exposure of a person's heart. In studying this word throughout the Old Testament, I saw a pattern. For example, in Leviticus 5.5, 5, where's the first use of the word confess, after listing a, listing a number of sins, God said, And it shall be, when he be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin. The priest shall make an atonement for him as touching his sin. In Leviticus 5, we see sin, confession, sacrifice, and atonement. Later in Leviticus 26.40, God says, And if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they have trespassed against me, and they also have walked contrary to me, then will I remember my covenant. In this case, we have sin 
and confession and then God's gracious covenant. Without the confession, would there have been atonement? Without confession, would there have been the Lord's covenant? In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahaz of Eris, king over the realm of the Chaldeans, after Daniel had been studying his Bible, where he was confronted with Jeremiah's prophecy that after 70 years of captivity, Judah would be allowed to go back to the land, he wanted to know more. Daniel 9.3, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And then later in the chapter, whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, Gabriel arrived with answers to his questions. If Daniel had not been confessing his sins and the sins of the people of Israel, would the Lord have granted him that wisdom and understanding of Jeremiah's prophecy? I can't answer that, but I see a pattern. In this case, we see sin, confession, and a gracious revelation. In the New Testament, we're told that John the Baptist would immerse only those people who are willing to confess their sins. Since John was omniscient, none of us are, he wasn't able to accurately read the hearts of the people who were coming to him. Lots of folk were coming down from Jerusalem, going through Jericho and coming to where John was baptizing. They apparently wanted to be identified with this man out there who's doing such a, a marvelous work. They wanted to be able to say that I've, I've been a part of the ministry of John the Baptist. But he would have nothing to do with hypocrites. The process was not perfect. But if those people are willing to confess their sins and give some evidence of repentance, then John was willing to baptize them. They needed to confess their sin. Another important New Testament verse in this regard is, is 1 John 1.9. I say it's important because it reminds the Christian that he needs to live in an attitude of repentance. Yes. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do I see a pattern? Sin, confession, forgiveness. If we want the blessing of fellowship with God, if we want answered prayer, if we want power to serve the Lord, if we want the ability to understand the word of God... We need to learn to confess our sins before God. Two of the great scriptures using the word come from Psalm 32.5 and Proverbs 28.13. They're so well known, I hardly need to say anything about them. David said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, 
and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Sin, confession, forgiveness. And then David's son added, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We have sin, confession, forsaking, and we have the mercy of God. Same pattern, basically. Again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is confession? Throughout the Bible, in both languages, it is an acknowledgement, an admission of something. Here in Nehemiah, it was an admission of sin. The people were throwing open their arms in virtual surrender to God. Here I am. From the word of God, they had been learning about their transgressions of God's law. They hadn't heard the word of God for some time. Perhaps as individuals, they hadn't ever heard it before this day. They had recognized that uh, the Holy Spirit was bringing before their eyes their sins and the sins of their fathers. They were confessing their sins. For the person being saved from the guilt of his sins, not only is that kind of confession necessary, Lord, I have sinned, there is also the confession, I need a Savior. I trust you as my Savior. There's an acknowledgement of the Savior. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the person who is a child of God, confession of sin is a part of maintaining proper fellowship with the Lord. And with that I close with one other reference. This one comes from Revelation. This is the last one in the Bible. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 5. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed with white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Remember verse 23 from Matthew 10. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Perhaps we need to do more teaching and preaching in the subject of confession. It's a part of the Christian life.